Thank you for listening to the Risen Community Church podcast. Risen Church exists to point all people to a new life with Jesus. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and inspired by this message and that the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus Christ through it. To learn more about Risen Church or to contribute to this ministry financially, check us out on social media or visit risencommunity.church. That's risencommunity.church. Who's excited for the Super Bowl today? Anybody? Come on. Okay. <laughs> Couple of you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. I'm, I'm always, always rude for the uh, underdog. So we'll see what happens. I'm not going to say who I'm rooting for, but... This is really who I'm rooting for. We'll see what happens. It's all in God's hands. All right. So I always start the message today, message with a couple of thoughts from uh, the previous message. And just to get us connected. So for the last 11 weeks, we've been uh, really trying to unback uh, life in how we can live uh, feeding from the tree of uh, life versus the tree of knowledge of good and evil and how worry does not get us anywhere. It just really accomplishes nothing and how we need to start living versus worrying. And then we talk about worship, how we worship God in spirit and truth. And um, we talked about a lot of things, but today, last week, we talked about the fear of the Lord and what it means really to fear God. And um, we try to uh, unpack it in a way that we can designate the two different distinctions between uh, the spirit of fear and fear of the Lord. So, you know, I've been, I've been hearing, you know, and preparing for the message, people say, why we, why we even need to talk about fear? That's an old-fashioned, that's an Old Testament. This is just keeping up with the law. We don't really need to hear about fear. How this is going to bless me when you talk about fear? And that's the difference. I know this is Old Testament, but it's also New Testament, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. So the biggest question I asked last week is, do you love God? Do you really literally love God? And if I go back, if I go out on Miller Road and stop people, and out of probably 100 people, I'm going to pull over and ask them, do you love God? Probably here, 80% of them, they're going to answer, yes, I do love God. I really do love God. And that's basically the question, you know, subconsciously we do because we feel connected, right? But this is really the true question. Do you fear God? You see, everyone loves God. Most people love God, rather. But how many of us actually fear God? Not many of us. And I shared with you a pastor's story. I've been Muskegon. He had, the, he had a very healthy church. He was blessing to the community. They were really moving things around, transferring lives and stuff. And then all of a sudden, he got caught stealing money and had an affair with a lady in the office. So he invited one of his uh, pastor's friend to uh, the prison, and they met, and they got talking and stuff. And then he asked him, he says, Pastor, let me ask you a question. Why did you did what you did? I thought you loved God. He says, yeah, of course I love God. I still do till this second. He says, then just I'm, I'm struggling. Why did you do what you did? He says, because I fell off fearing God. I quit fearing God. And that's us. That's all of us. We love God so much, but yet we don't fear him. We don't fear him. There is three types of fear. There's natural fear, which is we need to use wisdom with that, not jumping off the cliff, not getting in a car accident, 
There is also the spirit of fear, which is demonic. This is the spirit of fear where it's going to hold us captive. It's going to derail us from God's calling over our lives. This is where he wants us to be. This is your great calling over your life right there. And Satan wants to fill your head with lies. And of course, he's going to hit you right in the head, not only with your relationship and fellowship with God, but also with your self-image and self-worthiness. He's going to keep bounding it, keep bounding it, so this way you keep the shackle in your feet and you cannot move hard after God's heart. And fear of men. We all do that. Um, we all fear men, and it's a bad thing because we basically, if somebody has a dominant personality, we basically let him walk over us. If somebody has a higher rank than me, then we let them do what they need to do, and we don't fight back. But fear of the Lord is basically redeemed us, for, does redeem us from all these, these ungodly fear. You know, Paul said in 2 Timothy, um, verse, um, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, 7, For God gave us a spirit not to fear, but of power and love and self-control. Also in 1 John 4, uh, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect fear casts all fear. Because fear has to do with punishment, tormenting. This is what the spirit of fear, it does, it torment us. Torment us from inside and out. The one who fears is not made perfect in love, but fear of God, it is the, really the remedy for all these ungodly fears. So the fear of God, what really fear of God means? When we love God, when we love God, we'll look at him as our father. We'll look at him in a way that we realize that he is God and he is not. You know, sadly, fear of the Lord in the churches became secondary, got lost in the shovel. Many churches, they do not teach what fear of the Lord means because for the misconception between fear of God and the spirit of fear. But when I fear God, when I do fear God, I embrace his heart. When you and I, we are in love with God and we fear him, we do whatever we can to glorify him because we do know that at the end of the day, like Paul did, Paul, all, all his struggles, all his um, persecution, he kept focusing on the, on the finish line, right? And that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. So when we embrace his heart, we love everything that he loves. But when we fear God also, we know our uh, place in the order of creation, right? We know exactly where we're at because we are no God. So the minute you and I, we think that we have to, um, sitting on our throne, it's time to dethrone ourselves out of the throne and put God because he is the creator of everything. And he is the worthy. He is the only one that our hearts desire. So when we love God, we give him reverence. We stand in awe of his holiness. Every time I read this, I read it probably like 50 times, and it just gives me goosebumps. I'm going to read it again. When we fear God, we give him reverence, and we stand in awe of his holiness. Imagine yourself right now, right here, just... Imagine yourself standing before the throne. Isn't that amazing? How can you not be in awe? How can you not fear God out of reverence? When we fear God, 
we become terrified. We become scared to live a second from our day away from them. We cannot, because you and I, when we worship and we feel the Holy Presence touching our hearts, right, we know that we know that feeling is not replaceable. We do need more of that feeling. And sometimes we feel that when we leave the walls of the church that we depart from the presence of God, even though he tells us worship, it does not have to be just inside the walls of the temple, the synagogue, or the church. Worship is a lifestyle. We worship God in everything we do, in everything we say, every second and every day. That's what worship means. So when we, when we fear God, we love what he loves, all people. We hate what he hates, all sins. What's so important to God becomes so very important to us. And what's not so important to God becomes not so, too, not so important to us. So this is your life and my life right there. Look at this. This is a snapshot of our life. This is, this is what we go through. If you take 10 steps back and radically, radically, honestly, look in the mirror, whose reflection you see? Whose reflection you see in the mirror? Are you in rhythm with God's rhythm? God is always moving. Not until we fell off that rhythm, things go sideways. But God wants us always, always to look and fix our eyes on him. These are issues. These are breaches in our walled city. These are breaches where Satan is always looking for that breach so he can attack us. And he can fill us with fear instead of filling us with fear of God so we become captive. God is moving. He's always, always moving. So Proverbs 3, chapter 6 to 8 says, In all your ways submit to God. In all, there is no exceptions. Even when things get harder, even when you see that around you every door is closed, even though when you feel that everybody is attacking you and no one on your side, God wants us to submit to him. And he will make your path straight. He will make a way. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment, and nourishment to your own bones. What a great promise from God. If we surrender to him in all our ways and we do not become wise in our own eyes, God will give us health. God will make us healthy from inside out. And he says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? Uh, beginning of knowledge, knowledge of who God is. Fear of God never ends. Fear of God never, ever ends. It's always there. It endures forever. Never ceases. And there should be not even one single of a day, single second of our life that we don't really uh, fear God. It just shouldn't because we do know that when we fear God, he's always there with us. He will send the Holy Spirit to work with us. The Bible tells us in Psalms 19.9, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. That's God's promise. If we fear God, his fear is pure, is clean, because he is God, and it will last forever. Proverbs 10, 27 says it will extend life, too. It will give us even life because it keeps us healthy. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. You know, when we don't submit to God, when we don't submit to God and we don't 
fear him from our hearts. We live shorter because we always, always feel that we have unfinished business on earth that we have to do and take care of before it's time to go to God's home, to go home. This is not home. It is not home. You know, we cannot afford really living life without, uh, without fearing God, without feeding out of this foundation of life. Um, fearing God is, is, is the foundation of life. Even in our household, in our marriages, God asks us to have that marriage is based on the foundation of fearing him. Why? Because it's a major ingredient for a healthy marriage. A friend of mine, him and his wife, they really um, uh, involve in so many ministries, and uh, they teach, and they lead a lot of people to Jesus. But, of course, um, they have issues, and they were struggling, and, um, but both of them realized at one point this argument has to stop because God is watching, and they both have the fear of the Lord in their hearts. So what they did, they went on both sides of the bed, kneeled down, and start praying for each other. And as you know, when that happens, and when you invite the Holy Spirit, he comes, and he did. And he spoke to both of them and told them, that you have to fear the Lord, and in the process, you have mutually submit to each other. And when they did, things got back on track, and they're still doing ministry. They have a healthy marriage, and things going well with, with them. So submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So when we fear the Lord, when we fear God, we always, always, our eyes, our life, fixed on the one who is worthy, on the source of life, because we fear him, because we know that we know that one day we're going to have to stand before the throne and give count our life on earth. Fear of the Lord is his treasure. God treasures our relationship. He treasures our fellowship with him. That's his treasure. So what God is looking for? What is God looking for? God is looking for a person that... Fear him and loves him and hates sin, a person that fears him and reverence, a person who worship him in spirit and truth, a person who carry his cross and keep moving and keep walking in spirit and living by faith and trust. God does not only want us to have faith, but he wants us to have confidence that he will come through only when he sees best. God is looking for rescuers. He's looking for rescuers. You and I, we've been rescued many times, but also he doesn't want us to be stronger for ourselves. He wants us to be stronger so we can be more useful for his kingdom. So when God made you, made you a rescuer, he did not make you a rescuer just for yourself. He made you a rescuer for others. There are so many people out there, they don't know Jesus' name. And there are so many people out there that they knew Jesus' name and they had fellowship with him and they fell of that relationship because so many different reasons. It's our obligation to be Jesus' example. It's our obligation to be there for people. It's not good enough to be strong for yourself. It's not good enough because we all have preachers. And people say, hey, well, I'm Christian. But you are Christian with preachers. Not until we fill all these gaps, not until we fill all these holes in our preach and we become intercessors, 
When somebody comes to the church, why are we coming to church? We're coming because we want to worship God, right? But also, we're not just coming to pray for ourselves. There is a dying world out there, and God asking us to be prayer warriors. We have to pray for others. And in the process, when we pray for others, God will bless us. God will bless us and brings provisions and bring blessings and open doors, and life will transform and change. But we cannot be self-content. We cannot, because when we do that, we become isolated. The church never intended just for one or two individuals to come and worship God. It's all about community. It's about all community. You know, one of the things about the old church is the early church, when people worship God, they worship Him in spirit and truth. And when somebody got sick, everybody dropped everything off and they went to that person's house. They brought food, they brought medicine, and above all else, they brought with them the Holy Spirit because they kept praying, 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 praying for healing. There was nothing more important than to support one believer. There was nothing more important than that. And they did it because they know that they know this is will please God. This is will please God. So the church, New Testament, right? You know, I hear people say, well, we're New Testament uh, church. Why we need to uh, talk about uh, the fear of the Lord. So look at this. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and it continued to grow. It continued to increase its territory became wider and wider because they asked for God's protection, they asked for God's presence, and in the process, they feared him, and they knew that if they fear God through reverence, through knowing who he is and who they are, God will bless them, and God will open doors. And not only that, it's all about multiplication. You know, as a new church, our heart is to one day plant churches. It's our heart to go out and... Um, be disciple makers, and we will when the weather uh, gets warmer. That's our vision, is to be an outward-focused church. To be a healthy church, you have to be outward-focused. You cannot just be focused inward on your struggles and your uh, own fights. You have to be an outward focus, and that's really our heart. We have to count on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You know, when we, when we desire to know God more, he comes, and he sent the Holy Spirit. Um, he says, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. But not until you and I draw near to him first, he will draw near to us, right? That's what the scripture is saying. We have to draw near God first. So in 2020, I pray, and I've been praying, and I pray you pray the same, that in 2020, I pray that I can be more efficient for God's kingdom. I pray that I can be more efficient, that he can use me in so many different ways that I can make a difference. I can show him more. I can let people know who Jesus is, and also I can let him know who Jesus is not. You know, we get caught up in the 80s and 70s with church preaching and teaching what Jesus can do for us, right? So we got comfortable. We come to church because we know that when we come to church, Jesus is going to do something for us. So instead of us making disciple makers, we start making disciples, and we quit. We stopped. Because now we're waiting on Jesus to do something for me. Come on, Jesus. I'm doing what they told me to do. What are you doing for me? And that has to change. 
Because it's not about what Jesus can do for you and I, it's about what we can do for Jesus and his kingdom. There is so much work out there, and sometimes we get caught up in our corner of the vineyard, and we forget that Jesus and the Holy Spirit can do the heavy lifting for us. This is who Jesus is. He will leave the 99 and go after the one. Our mission as a risen church is to bring everyone to this push right there, right there, so we can allow more people to encounter God and give God a chance to introduce himself, let people become holy because he is holy and he commands us to be holy just like him. And I pray that as many people we bring to have them encounter, meet God, that they will never, ever leave them that they give him reverence, that they fear him out of love, out of respect, out of honor, and venerate who he is, and never ever lose sight who he, God is, and who we are in the process. And we become more obedient, and we become the church that he wanted us to be. Instead of us getting caught up in our issues, in our preaches, and burning daylights, and not moving, because when that day come, you and I will stand before the throne. We have absolutely zero choice but to give count our life on earth. And that's reality. And it's going to happen. My heart and my obligation to you is to share the word of God and nothing but the word of God. There is no personal opinion. This church is based on the holy book of Bible. Whatever we teach and whatever we preach, it is coming out of the Bible. There is no personal opinion. I will not allow myself to stand on the pulpit and share with you my personal opinion. I can share with you my personal opinion. You know, we can have coffee or lunch. But when we hear, we only teach and preach God's word and nothing else. It is hard in 1 Samuel when they said that the word of God became rare. And it breaks my heart sometimes that I do feel the word of God, it is rare. And when the word of God is rare, the holy presence of the Holy Spirit is not there. They go together. When the word of God here, the Holy Spirit is active and moving. And I pray, and I pray that in your household, right in the center of your household, you will allow the word of God to be there. So the Holy Spirit can be there. Protect you, guide you, and be your God. Next week, we're going to start a whole new message about church. What, what is the church? When you hear the word church, what comes to your mind? Is it just a Sunday thing? Is it just come and gather with people in the same faith and raise and praise God's name above all names? Is it just come and just throw down our, throw down our burden and sins and just leave and turn around and go back to our old uh, ways? So I'm really humble. Uh, I'd love for you to be here uh, next week. It's probably going to be two weeks' message, but it's going to be about the church. Uh, next Sunday at 10, we'd love to have you be with us, worshiping God in spirit and truth. And of course, if pray about it. If God is asking you to be part of this small baby church, we'd love to have you because in the process, we can do more. We can plus more people, and then we can bring more people to that push so they can encounter God and God get to, to meet them and never ever leave them. Thank you so much. I pray for a blessed week and um, we're here for you. Anything we can do, please reach out.